Welcome everyone to A Fistful of Truth. I am your host, Delara Essengill, and you are listening to this podcast on either anchor.fm if you're using a web browser, or if you are using Spotify, you can locate A Fistful of Truth as well on Spotify. You can also find me daily, well, kind of daily, on my blog at delaraessengill.blog, and I'm going to explain about that in a second. And you can search a variety of topics over there. And I urge you, please, and thank you for everybody who's going to the blog, scrolling down to the bottom, and entering your email address. It's very important that you enter your email address for to receive notifications from me. I am getting more and more banned every day. My words are getting censored and bleeped out when I'm speaking. It happened with Maria on Monday Matters. It happened with Paul Tashiro, who I'm having back here. Um, he has a show coming up on... Uh, a not-so-cabaled network, and he has a radio show, too, that he'll be talking about the paranormal, another uh, law enforcement buddy of mine who I've been in touch with over the years who has uh, taken the paranormal, taken on the paranormal. So if you've heard the censorship that's gone on in those particular shows, as well as a few other ones, uh, it's real, and the only way that I can stop it is to stay in touch with you, and the only way I can ensure that happens is if you go to the blog and enter your email address there's nothing else to enter. It's just your email address. And I believe there's a way you can set your preferences so that you don't even receive notifications. And I'm not saying don't take my notifications, but I get it. I don't like getting a lot of email. And um, this will just ensure that if the light should go out, meaning if there's some kind of a weird outage that happens, because it's going to happen, folks, at some point, uh, they're going to be censoring more and more until the big booms start to happen and I'd like to be able to deliver you nothing but a fistful of truth and at least uh, keep in touch with you through the blog if the lights should go out so please do enter your email address also thank you to everybody who's supporting a fistful of truth uh, I really appreciate the paypals uh, for, for um, donating to this podcast to make it possible to bring you a daily show it's completely funded by listeners there are no sponsors but I'm working on that. And uh, currently there are no sponsors at the moment. I'm not working with anyone. So it's an open field uh, at the moment for most brands. I'm having uh, some negotiations with a few different people, but if you'd like to get in touch with me, um, once the floodgates open, uh, I'm not going to be working with that many people, but I'd like to work with Patriot owned brands. So if you'd like to get in touch with me, visit my website, DelaraSingill.com and you can send uh, inquiry through there only for uh, business sponsorship purposes for the show. Um, the, in, in other uh, news, I would like to also announce that the blog is no longer daily. I have way too much to do and I have a lot to keep up on. I need to uh, look for work because I just closed up my bankruptcy a couple of weeks ago and frankly the um, support here cannot support me so I need to somehow support myself in this <laughs> in this horrible matrix world, you know, I, I had applied for some jobs with the, uh, well, they sought me. They were, they, the, uh, entertainment companies always like to come back and go, Delara, we'd really like you to be our, an attorney for this or that. And I said, well, let me see if they want to work with me on my terms. And as soon as they got to probably entering my name into Google and seeing the things I've been saying about them, I, I just thought it was really funny. It, the interviews ended there even though I was one out of nine applicants to have made it they asked everybody else but me 
um, because of my experience. And then they were like, oh boy, she's uh, telling everybody the truth. We can't work with her. And I wouldn't want to work with them anyway. But anyway, um, having said that, your support is greatly appreciated. The links for support are in this podcast, but I'm no longer doing the uh, blog daily. It's going to be only when there's news because I'm working on something huge with Maria, Maria Bernardis. And you can find us uh, weekly. Maria and I will be here on the blog. So excuse me, the podcast. So I'll be on the podcast daily and the blog is being weaned down to, I would say probably three or four days a week at this point. But uh, important news and important issues will be blogged and, and articles will be written about these things as they happen. So stay tuned for that. And uh, tonight is LA Non-Confidential. LA Non-Confidential. So I have a sergeant, retired sergeant LAPD, Mike Fanning up here next. And Mike's going to take off, um, start talking to us about where he left off last week week, um, which was actually the week before Thanksgiving. So if you haven't heard the LA non-confidential uh, series that's going on on A Fistful of Truth exclusively, a uh, insider's uncontrolled narrative to the infiltration of this cabal into our law enforcement system. And we're talking from a police officer to a sergeant to later a um, United States um, contractor and other other various positions that Mike will be talking about. And um explaining to us his viewpoints and what he's seen and what he's dealt with, which is, I mean, a lot of people have written in and said, this guy should be on the History Channel. Well, guess what? The History Channel's been cabal too. So he's here on a fistful of truth. So help spread this uh, podcast, get it to other people. I've been getting amazing feedback. So please keep the comments coming. And also go to Telegram and uh, join the group, the the, um, the Delara Essengill channel group, as well as subscribe to the channel because I'm very selective with my content and I'm selective with the information that's being put into these rooms. So you're getting at least some amazing uh, uh, information that's being filtered by myself and some amazing friends who have stepped up as admins to help, but they are patriots just like myself. Not one is above the other. And we bring to you tonight, uh, LA Non-Confidential with Sergeant Mike Fanning. Well, hello, Mike Fanning. Welcome back. Hi, Delara. How's it going today? I'm doing all right. Just uh, recovering from the four days of solitude and quiet I had over Thanksgiving. How about you? Oh, about the same. It's, uh, it's cold. It's trying to snow up here. And uh, winter is more or less here. Well, I it's am in Joe, your... it's Joe Biden. It's Joe Biden's dark winter. It's approaching. We can feel it. <laughs> I have an article called the cold winter spelled Q O L D. And it shows when, the, when it was snowing in Texas, <laughs> I know you're not in Texas, but we have had some strange things going on. <laughs> well, stuff happens irregardless of the weather. Maybe sometimes the weather makes it a little bit more complicated, like being in an earthquake. No, no, let's yes. not use that word. I'm still in California. <laughs> I know. Well, I was in there for 43 years, and I went through all the big ones. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, but, uh, I'm just trying to get through uh, what they're calling uh, cabal set fire season over here because it's still very warm. And uh, there are some arsonists still running around. So I hope they've gathered them all up and put them away. But, you know, the, the yeah. fight for good and evil will always be, will always be. Well, the other side never quits. And then the other side never surrenders. No. 
and say so. We, yeah. we need to get this, oh, we're going to wake people up. We're going to turn a Democrat into a Republican. Why would you want to do that? They're already Republicans. Yeah. That's why you think you're a Republican is because the Democrats took over the Republican Party about exactly. years ago. And that's what you're telling us. People are um, people are actually really uh, not not shocked, but they're they're surprised. Yet they're you know they're assimilating the information, but they're um, it, it's very interesting hearing it from your perspective. And um, I don't know where we left off last time and where you want to begin today, but I'll, I'm just going to hand well, you the floor. You're going to let me. You're going to give this to me, and you're going to let me run with it again, are you? Yes, I Let's am. See how that, all right. Well, here you're we go. up. All right. Oh, okay. Um, all right, there's a few things I want to clear up uh, that uh, I brought up in uh, on some particular topics that uh, I, I left off the the main um, one of the key points. So when we were talking about the um, detective from Public Disorder Intelligence Division in 1972, in one of the previous episodes, um, and uh, just to go through the whole entire thing, there was a training day at Wilshire Division in 1972 put on by detective who signed from Public Disorder Intelligence Division, which was the one half of the department's intelligence division um, investigative uh, operation involving um, the communists uh, and anything up to do with um, public disorder, as it just like the words mean, you know, things that lead mm -hmm. to riots and, and insurrections and anything of that nature. Apart from organized crime, which would be the various factions and ethnicity involvements in, in organized crime, the mafia and so-called. So, -called. so um, we, were in, we were taught, and if you recall, I mentioned that the 60s radical groups uh, would either go into prison and they would form um, politically based, ethnic based, um, Marxist inspired um, criminal gangs, such as the Black Gorilla family, generally referred to as the BGF. Mm -hmm. and, and that, and that. Uh, the other part was uh, the uh, community organizer groups, uh, uh, such as uh, Danny Bakewell and the, uh, the Brotherhood Crusade, uh, were the above ground, non-incarcerated 60s Marxists from the Black Panthers and, and the Nation of Islam, both Marxist organizations, both 501c3s. Um, that uh, would, would then convert themselves into community organizing groups going towards the 21st century. The part that I left out was, and this was from somebody who was a Los Angeles Police Department detective, not a prophet, not, no biblical revelations going on, based on actual intelligence information that uh, was available at a very high level in law enforcement across the country was that how would they know that in the 21st century, these groups were going to come back and reemerge in the first half? And the quote was, they will reemerge in the 20, first half of the 21st century and complete, not attempt to complete, but would complete their overthrow of the government of the United States and the American infrastructure. That's important to understand. So the next point that I want to cover is uh, we were talking about the 92 riots and the onset of events. Um, there was one thing that was key to that uh, that I forgot to tell you. 
And that was that uh, on that afternoon when the, when the verdict was announced in Simi Valley and the riots began to take place, not as CNN described it, but as I told you, it began to happen, which is a lot of moving pieces, highly orchestrated, and it's what actually happened all throughout not just LA, but 168 cities, mainly in, North, in the United States and North America. That, on that same afternoon, the highest ranking rank of officer on the police department in the patrol divisions, all 18 patrol divisions throughout the city of Los Angeles, 500 square miles of city, 4.5 million or so people, population, unofficially. You know, those little green signs that say the census from 10 years ago said that the city was wonder. four and a half million people. Yeah, I go, <laughs> who's, wa- who's walking around not counting people, right? I don't know how you do yes. that, but that's, that's, that's so far off, you can't even believe it. So anyway, right. um, where, where were the captains in above, the rank of above? All the ranks of, of, from the rank of captain up to the chief, and there's four, uh, there's the chief, uh, some assistant chiefs, a bunch of deputy chiefs, and then the rank of commander and command, and the, and, uh, the ranks of captain uh, from not just the patrol divisions, but from the, uh, the specialized divisions that work inside Parker Center. All of those people, all of those ranks that make the decisions to say that above the ordinary operations, you can or you cannot do certain things, they were in a lockdown, incommunicado, conference in an, in an undisclosed location in Ventura County, and they were unavailable for three days. Huh. So the decisions to do tactical operations and join uh, and, and, and create uh, tactical alerts, uh, which kick in certain manual sections of the Los Angeles Police Department manual as to how to deploy uh, the resources, the uniform resources to, uh, for tactical purposes and the suspension of, of uh, hand, being able to handle as a priority calls for service. Uh, those fell to the rank of the Lieutenant Watch Commanders or the Sergeant Two Assistant Watch Commanders in 18 patrol, geographic patrol divisions all the way from the north end of the San Fernando Valley all the way down to the harbor and everything in between. Wow. There is no explanation that was ever given as to why they were there and why they would not uh, accept calls for advice and guidance. There were a lot of pissed off people inside the uniform ranks of sergeant and lieutenant, which usually don't bear their, their, their true feelings during that time. Because it's, to- it's total abandonment, it's total treachery, it's we're setting you up for failure. And in the process, the civilian population of the citizens of the city of Los Angeles and all the people that I've ever known, all the cops that have ever been like me, who've been in these neighborhoods day in and day out, driven up these streets, down these streets, in the alleys, walked up the sidewalks, knocked on doors. All those people were betrayed so that a coordinated United States government and the communist organizations throughout the world that participated in putting together the 1992 Los Angeles riots could actually take place because that's in fact what happened, what actually happened. 
That's the second point I want to cover. Um, the third is we were talking about our my buddies from the uh, public broadcasting and their little ride along with me and how long <laughs> and how well we were not getting along. By about eleven o'clock that night, it had gotten so antagonistic. The, the whole fever pitch of back and forth between me yelling at them and them yelling at me and, and recording all of this. And did I really care that I was on camera, you know, yelling and screaming, <laughs> looking like a Los Angeles police officer, not <laughs> performing the way you would expect him to be being very stolid and standing there going, yes, ma'am. No, sir. Thank you very much. Yes, that's right. I am an asshole. You can no, That's okay. I appreciate it. You know, that's your opinion. You know, no, 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 no. These little British butt licks were over there just like a bunch of little baying hyenas just screwing with me all the time. I said, fine. You know what? You, you people have no clue as to what I just did to you. I drove you down and I found one of the most dangerous, darkest streets in all of South Los Angeles. I stopped the car. No street lights around. I turned the engine off. And as I'm starting to get out of the car, I said, get the fuck out of my police car. And they stopped and they went, <gasps> and they, they looked around and they looked out the windows and they could hear nothing. <laughs> and you know what happens when you can't hear anything? Then all you can hear is your butt cheeks slamming shut. <laughs> they didn't like that feeling because... <laughs> I was kicking them out of my police car. And then they started begging me. Oh, Sergeant, don't, 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 don't. You can't, you can't kick us out of your police car. I said, get the fuck out of my police car. No, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not kidding with you. I put up with your shit all night long. I've talked to you. I've given you truthful answers, things you don't want to hear. and You don't want to accept because you're not here for that. Get out of my car. Okay. All right. You can't do that. We'll, we'll get her. I go, no shit. That's the whole point. You don't seem to understand that your way of running this world, your way of seeing how things are, is not accurate. It's nowhere close to it. It's based on bad will. Yep. It's based on evil political agenda. And you ran into somebody tonight who's not going to take any of it from you. And that's why we've been at this for the last almost eight hours. They said, okay, fine. We're through We'll stop recording. I don't know if they did or not. I don't really care. And then we went back and we had this little worthless uh, interview, made up interview of what it's like to, uh, how to conduct a, uh, initiate a personnel complaint that I was explaining to his butt lickness uh, on, on his camera and, and microphone for PBS viewers to watch. That was part of this longer episode. Uh, a series that they produced with other officers throughout the department. And then we just parted company. And I totally forgot about it until somebody brought it to my attention several months ago. Another one of these um, um, civilian patriot intelligent analysts. You're uh, uh, from, the new, the from new the, CPIAs? The CPIAs? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. You know, the, the, uh, the self-appointed, uh, self-anointed, uh, civilian patriots who've gotten way out over their their intellectual skis and 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 are you know they, they just follow all the trends all the group think all the crowds <laughs> stuff that goes on on the internet day in and day out. You know, where's your sauce? Folks, where's your sauce, Sergeant Fanning? Where's your sauce? Oh, I, I got your sauce. <laughs> I got your sauce. 
All right, so we got that that taken care of. The last thing I want to cover, and it's a little bit out of order, and it's going to help you ex, ex, uh, understand uh, why um, I sound a little ditzy and a little off, not just because I'm 72 years old and I'm burnt out, but um, about eight years ago, I sustained a head injury uh, while working over at the U.S. Embassy in, in Afghanistan as a bomb dog handler. And... Um, it took me out of the game for the rest of uh, the attempt to stay on the contract. I couldn't recertify. Uh, I had a bad head injury, uh, kind of bloody. Stuff was going every different direction. Um, mm. Brains didn't come out. I, you know, <laughs> and we still have brains. I'm so the, glad uh, you have a sense of humor about this. The Irish, <laughs> yeah, my Irish head took one heck of a knock. <laughs> On a, on a steel door at, at full body weight going down at about 200 and some odd pounds of body Oh, force. man. You know, and I didn't see the door there. Oh, there's a door hitting my head. Uh -huh. Okay, fine. You know. Your personal Blarney Stone. Thank you very much. Yeah. So anyway, um, well, it I'm took glad, several I'm years. I'm glad you're here with us. And I mean, I've, I've talked with you. But I don't want to interrupt you, but I know that the viewers are hearing this for the first time, but I think you're pretty on point. And I know that you, you probably... You know, you feel like you're not on point, but I know the viewers and myself think you're super on point. But, um, you know, I know you're hard on yourself, too, because it's a level of functioning that we have that when we experience an injury, we all we've all experienced injuries and we know what it's like to be knocked down a notch. But thank you well, for thank you for explaining yeah. that. But um, I, I don't I don't hear anything I, different. Um, but then I again, wasn't through, I, I wasn't through explaining. I'm Lucy. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Lucy, I was still explaining. All right. All right. All right. Okay, so here's so one last little point is that after I finally got diagnosed mm -hmm. um, and, and learned out uh, that uh, there was cognitive impairment and stuff, uh, it began to explain to me what I was realizing was my voice sounds funny a little bit, you know, kind of it breaks up. And, 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 and also, it seems like to the listeners that I'm trying to find my words is because actually I am because they don't just kind of roll off like they used to. Uh, and sometimes they totally forget stuff. And um, it's, it's, it's pretty difficult, and it's, it's quite a challenge. When you ask me to do this podcast, I'm thinking, oh, no, I can't possibly do this. And then as I started to realize, I'm starting to have a little bit of fun because it's not just bringing back the memories, and I'm not you know, uh, forcing a bunch of people who I can't see and don't know that you're my fellow Americans, <laughs> and I care deeply for you, mm -hmm. is that there, there's the things that you've never been told that need to be seen, I want you to try to the best of your ability to begin to adopt how people like me, not just me, because I'm nobody, but how we as people are supposed to be able to, to evaluate what we see, not what we're told we see. And how I taught this to all my police officer partners and, 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 and young recruits who graduated from the academy to, to form how you look at what's really there, not what the system tells you there, not what all the group think tells you there, whether it's, you know, in, in real time or whether it's, you know, you're, you're spending your days in, in behind a computer screen and, and listening to things, you're forced, being force fed a bunch of stuff. Think of, would, would you sit behind a computer screen if it was a sewer pipe? It feels would like it sometimes, there, but no. Would you sit? <laughs> would you sit there and let the sewer pipe empty all of that stuff out on you all day long? Gross. Well, then why are you sitting there behind that computer screen? Because it's in effect digital 
poo-poo coming out at you all day long. You can say okay. shit. Okay, it's digital <laughs> shit coming out through that computer screen all day long. It's true. Okay. All right. Um, and uh, the last thing I want to talk about is how you and I met. Because oh, no. it adds context to the, well... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not going to air out any of your laundry. Okay, we're just going to... We're going to talk about... Um, I'm out of detergent, was... Mike. <laughs> yeah. oh. I'm sorry. So, keep going. Quite a few summers ago, uh, there was two uh, grunge musicians that uh, committed suicide. Not um, uh, Mr. Bennington and Mr. Cornell. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, I'm not into the grunge, the heavy metal stuff. You Neither might suspect, am I. Even, even though I kind of grew up in the 60s, you know, with the Beatles and, and, and the Rolling Stones and Jimi Hendrix. Classic rock, um, my, my, <clears throat> some of my, my favorite rock, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And Jack Nicholson was just a young up and coming star. He was not Ugh. yet ready for it. Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, you really want to go there i really don't want to go i do but i i, I won't i mean that can be like a whole separate series we can go into hollywood and well any this is probably going to keep going but go ahead we all oh, we're no we're going to go and and mm-hmm. so what i wanted to do in this particular episode here is is cover these little things that i that needed to be tidied up yeah. and explain uh how i sound and why I, I miss things apparently from time to time beg your uh, indulgence and, and, and patience and, and try to Think not so much as you're sitting in an armchair listening to a presentation somewhere that's comfortable, but all of you are in a police car and you're learning in my environment, which is the environment that I have always wished. And I, what I'm going to say now is what I told people uh, when I was interviewed and then come uh, these, these old community uh, um, uh, basic car plan meetings that we had out in the various neighborhoods uh, back in the 70s is that all I ever wished for people was that if you could ride in a police car for at least one eight-hour shift, it would change your voting patterns for the rest of your life. Because you could instantly realize what's real and what's not real. Yep. And in order to be a real cop, to be an effective cop, because these cops that are out here rolling around today, they got uniforms and police cars and badges and guns. They're not cops. They have no skills. They have no proficiency. They have no knowledge. They have no expertise. It's a vessel that has been emptied out of everything that people of my generation and before used to practice and have the, the, the individual enthusiasm to go out there day in and day out, day after day, year after year, working the same division, doing the same thing, separating the wheat from the chaff, separating the criminal from the innocent victims, knowing the difference between the two. That's really not that of a, it's a moral, it's a moral obligation. It's a, it's an honor to fulfill that because what the state, the nation state as a Christian principle is supposed to be accomplishing is to provide for the common good so that the average Christian soul and and any soul that is in that nation state has a level, as much of a level playing surface, morally speaking, at the individual, at the real, real time, real world circumstances, where they're not constantly going to be victimized and, and set upon and propagandized. Well, all of that has been removed over the centuries to the point that we're in our lifetime and in the last 50 years. Today is the 50th, 
51st anniversary of me going into the Los Angeles Police Academy. Is it really? Yeah, class 1270 of November 30th, 1970. 88 little boys. 21 years old up to, I think, age 35, showed up at the basketball court inside the auditorium at the old Los Angeles Police Academy, 1880 North Academy Road, across from Dodger Stadium. And we began five months of training. 51 years later, none of this stuff that I'm talking about now was it presently in my mind at that time. So I was no different than anybody else showing up to do these, one of these primary functions in, in, in life, to be a soldier, to be a cop, to be some kind of a, well, we'll call them spooks, but all the various categories of, of how a nation protects itself from the obvious evils in the world, to do it for the right reasons. Well, the right reasons haven't been followed as a paradigm in this country, pro- probably forever. But that's a that's a separate story. Probably why we met, because I experienced the same thing when I signed up. But I'm so glad we're talking today. What a what a wonderful day. And thank you for thank you for being here. And thank you for everything you've stood up for, because you inspire me daily. But keep going. I'm sorry. All right. So one night um, I've been paying attention on the Internet to the uh, Cornell and and the Bennington murders. Uh, They were not suicide. and And I didn't take but about maybe 30 seconds of going over the, uh, uh, what I could see out there uh, that was being posted and reported on. And, and I, would, I would dig a little deeper uh, my way and I could see things and I could evaluate things that uh, because of my experience and people like me who would have come to those same conclusions, um, factually would come to an objective opinion, not a subjective opinion because of groupthink which is completely different. And that's how you end up in, 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 <laughs> in some really dodgy, sketchy situations. Yep. And, and you, get your, you get all of your, your, your good motivations and your good inspirations and your, and your good uh, desires to help this country. They're always crapped on. You know, another, another thing has been proven to be fake. You know, another person who we've believed in has turned out to be uh, not worthy of our trust. So... Um, there were some commentaries, and I noticed this one particular name. And I'm looking at this name, <laughs> and it didn't—it didn't look too Anglo. It didn't look too Western, <laughs> you know. And um, not so much the Delara part, but the Essengel. Mm-hmm. By that point in time, I'd been back from being in the Middle East and Central Asia for four years, and I had a pretty good feel for. Uh, um, names and, and spellings and uh, the ethnicities and how name that might be a common name in, in multiple countries, how the variations that would be spelled and everything. So I, um, I sent this Delara Essengel uh, private message and said, hey, hey, you, uh, what are you? You some kind of Turkish something or other or what? And she goes, and then she just kind of lays it out and we start talking. And she goes, who are you? And I go, eh, I'm just a retired cop. You know, mm-hmm. Look at my profile. You know, it was back before, Dor- back before Dorsey got rid of me, uh, <laughs> summarily. You know, I didn't go into jail for 30 minutes or 12 hours. Or you got wiped out quick. <laughs> I got wiped out once because I, I made some connections using Ukrainian. I 
media sources about the, uh, um, uh, the oh. Biden um, banking connection there with that, that scam that they were running in, in the Ukraine. I remember. And December 2nd, it was like, see you, Fanning, you're gone. So then I had to come back after a month of being butthurt, and I re- repackaged myself as Habibi Analytics, a covert goat herder in Afghanistan. <laughs> with a missing tooth. I'm sorry. No, I got all my teeth. Uh, not online, I you think. don't? I don't. No. Oh, that little, yeah, that little, what are those things called? The emoji. Your emoji. emoji. Okay, it's... I'm in a, yeah, my little, yeah, my little Haji emoji. So messed up. Yeah. Somebody so I work with up. once saw me, I, I left my phone on and I think they saw this emoji looking goat herder thing. And I think they started looking at me sideways, Mike. Thanks a lot. Um, well, so you and I started talking about um, the, the, the inner details, the, 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 like an investigator would, like a good prosecutor would, who really knows their case. Right. About the uh, uh, about uh, particularly it started with uh, uh, Cornell yep. and it was a lot to dig into there. And you would ask me questions about um, what I thought about all of the various pictures and the read and, and, and the likelihoods of did, did the uh, what's being explained and who was doing the explaining that that uh, former Mossad bodyguard. Oh, oh yeah. That oh, guy. Give what me a, a joke. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you and I began to realize that we think thought alike a lot, and then we just started hanging out, you know. And then you mm-hmm. invite me to, you know, all of your little rooms with all of your uh, um, the uh, the infiltrating uh, bots from South Africa. Uh, oh, the Russian <laughs> hooker ring. Yeah, the Russian hooker ring yeah. in South Africa. Yeah, and, trafficking, and, and trafficking kids probably. <laughs> Yeah. It's not funny, but I mean, it's true. I mean, all these things actually happen, folks. Um, right. So we we got pretty tight, and of course, we're just part of the uh, the whole crew here that that wants to try and keep our country from right. for, uh, from uh, complete disaster. Um, and so, you know, we've been we, we're at this point now. We're uh, the last year and a half with with the um, uh, the fake. Uh, pandemic and and all of this stuff. Uh... I, I want to interject something too. So people have never heard me say this before, um, and I'm saying it for the first time since it's you and me, you know, ch- talking here. Yes. Ma'am. Um, <laughs> yes. I um, was. I received a lot of information that had to do with a lot of different types of crimes in Hollywood before you and I met. Um, and I've talked about some of those things uh, recently. This is 2021. I first time I've actually uh, publicly started talking about all this stuff. And uh, one of the things that happened is for the public to know that I had a few talks with LAPD, um, active duty LAPD. I actually went down to the police department a few times and I'm not going to so say, re- <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say regarding what, because some of these things are still open. Um, so I can't talk about them. But they are related to the topics that you and I are discussing, and they are related to other topics that I have mentioned online that have to do with Cannibal Gate, um, have to do with uh, all these different gates, because they're all related. And this is the history and foundation which with, with which you are providing us of how this came to be. So I want the audience to know that I had talked with um, 
I had continuing conversations with law enforcement on various levels. And, and first, first stop shop was LAPD. I had, you know, been used to that environment. So that's the first place I went. Plus, that's the first place you go. Uh, well, and I knew about the corruption before you and I met, because that's why I had left. And I had uh, superiors that are no longer here because of their voice to and concerns about what they saw was going on. God rest their soul, because they were they were men of justice and integrity. Um, and uh, I was told by some law enforcement officials, uh, and there were some good guys, Mike, there are some good guys there, just like we know, but their hands are tied, that they couldn't do much about what I had brought to them. And my reason uh, for seeking help, and you were, you know, your name, Michael, is so fitting. Um, and I was, kept, I was praying to God that I could talk with someone who understood this stuff, and you appeared. And it was it was literally like just within days. So that's how uh, that's how this whole thing started for me. And um, as soon as as soon as we started talking, and you saw what I saw, it took me about the same amount of time it took you um, when I looked at the uh, the case and I was presented with some facts about Chris Cornell. I, I looked at it and I said he didn't kill himself. First thing that came out of my mouth within 20, 20, 30 seconds of looking at that. You know, and I was around a group of people who I happened to work with in entertainment when this happened. Some of those people are no longer with us, as you know. And we'll discuss that when the time is right. But I wanted the well, public to know all of this so that they understand. Because, you know, they've heard me talk about bits and pieces. And now here you are with me together, you know, and God, God bless our mission to, to try and help the American people understand that this shit is very real. It is. And, and we're not it talking is. out uh, of our ass. You know, you've had no. years of experience. You're, you know, today is the day. You know, thank you for your service. My goodness, what a, what a blessed day to be talking. And, you know, I remember quite well, I saw the picture of my getting sworn in in a courtroom, young, fiery, you know, me um, trying to figure out how I was going to help fix this world. And my God, was I met with the same type of uh, situation scenarios. And you helped me understand how it was that this has come about. So it is a blessing that we are able to talk about this and be here today. So thank you, God, first of all. And thank you for, for, for moving forward with this information. So I'm going to stop there. I just wanted the public to know that part. I've never said it. So there it is. And um, please continue. Well, the thing about suicides is that it's a convenient way to cover up a homicide. Of course. Um, it, and, and we don't go around and talk about people whose commitment real suicide no uh, and give them the, uh, the the media platform to to lament about the tragedy of, of somebody ending their own life big clue I've seen I've seen real suicides my father committed suicide when he was when I was a sophomore in high school that was not a surprise given the man that he was mm-hmm. not a good guy by the way and I've seen suicides on duty, mm-hmm. police officers taking a gun and eating a gun on the roof of a police station. Uh, and, and I've seen civilians commit real suicide. Right. So when, but then through my career, <clears throat> my career always dovetailed with um, uh, <clears throat> the, 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 the consequences of the attitude and the motivation and the habits that I formed that were expected of all of us to be formed uh, as we left the civilian world to become police officers. 
uh, you take all of those habits and motivations and attitudes and you begin to build a, uh, a reservoir, a body, a uh, very depth, deep body of expertise and experience. And so you were walking into a situation and someone's going to tell you, oh, that guy committed suicide. It's very terrible. And you look at it, you're bullshit. Yeah. You know, it doesn't pass the smell test. No. What's wrong with this picture? And you read the situation apart from all of the little talking heads and the happy faces and, and all the happy talk and everything, you know, no, 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 no. You just dial that, tune, tune that volume down and you look at the physical circumstances. So how many people can actually effectively commit suicide by hanging themselves in a jail cell from a, a, a cotton bed sheet? Epstein Mr. did. Uh, Epstein, yeah, Epstein did. <laughs> Not, right. You know. Right. Okay. Or, or, or taking an exercise, uh, uh, rubber exercise, uh, tension band and and band and, and hang it from a door and then, and then sit down and, and, and And suspend yourself about uh, an inch or so, so that your butt doesn't slam off and you just happen to lose consciousness and, oh, you just happen to die. Uh Uh-huh. And it's the wrong color band too that they described well but the, what about <clears throat> the blood that was over there and the blood that was over there too many the problems timelines the timelines of the people who were trying to be percipient witnesses the ccw you know, tv think, that didn't work happened to not work just during that 15 20 minutes i mean come on well we're talking about being in detroit where i worked for two years as a at the mgm from, at, the, at MGM. the mgm which you know, was right next MGM door is. to yeah. i do mm-hmm. it used to be the old irs headquarters until they went and built another building and I was working next door when all that crap happened, you know, at, not at the time that he got killed. But I no, mean, I know. Yeah. But I'm familiar with the way the city of Detroit works. <laughs> it's it's actually worse than L.A. I've heard. You know? um, I've had to talk to some people over there that have told me this shit is bad. Come back tomorrow. Yeah. Click. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so. Um, I got a few things I just want to cover through. And if we start to run out of time, um, you know, I'll pull my chain and we'll, we'll just uh, carry it on to the next time. So we are in an asymmetrical warfare situation, whether it's civilian or a professional in any kind of uh, law enforcement or, or uh, military or, or intelligence uh, capacity. We're all affected by this. Um, do not make the mistake of thinking that all of us are here for the same motives or that we all have the same uh, capabilities. We have moral obligations. We all have moral obligations and we all have um, are, are subject to the uh, what's being exerted upon not just America, but the whole entire world population to take this in, into a plan, long planned uh overthrow of nation states and sovereignties and, and everything that the, uh, the moral uh, requirements of civilization are based upon to just rid that and turn this into things that were, we're all chipped. Um, the, uh, the transhumanism uh, aspects of uh, all, all of these feel good uh, social justice uh, um, menageries of, of buffoons that are running around. Oh, I'm, I have one of these 85 i'm one of 85 genders or 125 genders you know and it's just like you know just go away you know before i throat punch you it's just crazy okay so 
Um, in today's internet and home enter entertainment leisure and the, the left versus right groupthink infected circular reasoning mindsets. Yes. Trying to listen to me, um, in most people's comfort zone is like uh, trying to get used to a phonograph needle scratching across a record or somebody dragging their fingernails across a chalkboard. You, know, you just want to cringe and go, what's the deal with this guy? The reason why I, I talk and I change subjects and I bounce around a lot is because um, the type of environment where I function was never stable. There was never a lounge chair. There was never a, a, a hot drink or a, a mixed drink or a, you know, a cell phone next to me. And I could just kind of casually just watch everything come out of that, that uh, computer screen. No, it was, it was driving at various speeds with a partner uh, in high crime ride areas and, and uh, carrying on conversations all the way from, you know, uh, what'd you do last night? Do you know, uh, do you know, your, your girlfriend, what's this happening? You know, you guys getting married, you know, but it, at the same time, you're in uniform, you're on duty. There's radio calls coming in from the radio and you're writing things down and you're looking at cars driving past you at various speeds and all of this stuff, this fishbowl effect of all of a sudden somebody becomes a civilian puts on a uniform and somebody sitting there who's got a lot more experience is trying to jam into your little skull full of mush with a gun and a badge and uniform on and say, you don't know anything and I'm going to put, I'm going to fix that. You just need to listen and talk and talk and talk and talk about everything that's important about recognition of danger, how to, how to spot criminal activity. What does mm -hmm. criminal activity look like? What is human behavior that is criminal in nature? What does it look like? as apart from ordinary innocent behavior, spotting a guy walking across the street and he's got a gun stuck up underneath his armpit. Does he walk the same way as somebody who's just innocent? No. no. Can you spot that? Most people can't. No. So, you know, this, um, this uh, young cop who had worked in another police department in Southern California for 10 years, he comes and he has to go through a limited uh, probationary period. And they assigned him to me when I was still a training officer down in Southwest Division uh, from 85 to 89. And uh, it was pretty commonly known that I didn't like working dope cases as a patrol cop and, and stopping everybody that I could to find, you know, a rock, you know, and, and put them in jail for a rock, you know, a mm -hmm. dove. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I was out there looking for bad guys with guns and stolen cars and all this sort of stuff. And um, I just... He, he, he gets to the point where sitting at an intersection, he goes, well, you're so great about all these stolen cars and shit, you know, and there's like 200 cars going by in a, in a red light signal phase. And we're stopped at red light and Crenshaw's north and south as all these cars are going by. He says, you're so, you're so great about picking up a stolen car. You know, why don't you just pick one out right now? I said, okay. So I start looking, I'm paying attention. And there's this uh, Honda Accord going by with two black guys in it. And every other car has got black people in it because that's all that's in this area is, is black cars, is, is black people and cars going up down the street. Innocent activity. How do you right. spot? So there is a spiritual dimension to this, which we won't get into. But just the, the raw effect of looking at, by experience, what I look for. And I saw some some physical behavior, some, some human mm, behavioral characteristics these two guys are a little bit lower and a little bit too comfortable in this car and um i don't know i said run that plate so we pull him behind it and as he's running it comes back stolen and there he, you goes go. over him, he goes he goes 
how, how did you do that? I said, well, we'll talk about that later, but we need to go stop these guys. And eventually we got them, got them into custody, and they tried to run, and we stopped them and got them into custody. That's the short story. There was a longer version of that, but so you, there's this learning process. And it's all about things that the average civilian, for the sake of trying to understand what is being expected for you to be able to understand and sort truth from, from, from fiction, truth from falsehood, uh, purported fact from propaganda and disinformation on the internet yeah. every single day. And you yeah. think you're going to be capable of doing that? I don't yeah. want you to get led, led down any kind of rabbit hole I don't. And, and there really aren't too many voices. And, and usually the voices that are out there that claim to be on your side, you know, the menagerie and the, not the short list of Alex Jones type figures who are Lord. trying to make a buck uh, and, and, yep. and prey upon all of your various fears. Yep. And, and, and say that everything is an op and that he has undisclosed uh, sources to tell him that is now you or he is now telling you that all these things have happened, some of which are true, some of which are not. But you see, the thing is that truth doesn't need any other thing to stand on. Yes. Facts that are facts, evidence that is really evidence is all that you need to determine what something as to what something actually happened. But when you fill it in uh, with half-truths, and you get people, and you say it in such a convincing way. These are just carnival acts. What used to be the carnival that comes to town back in the 1800s and was very entertaining and all these freaks and costumes and stuff and kids would go, oh, mommy, you know, you know. Well, now you have, you have freaks and costumes that are making millions and millions of dollars with their Mossad bodyguards and their, online their retired too. Delta Force. Mm -hmm. on, well, yeah, yeah, online. Not you, though. No. No, no. No, not you. No, you're one of the good guys. And well, the fewer the there's a the few of us, and it's hard to discern. People can't. You're making a great point because people are, you know, lacking in discernment, and they think that I, I don't want to stop you, but just keep going on this point because it's so important. Who do you listen to? Watch who you follow. True, true. And those become catchphrases. And next thing you know is, so long as you say that, oh well, then somebody else says that. Oh well, you're a good guy. Don't do that. Don't do that. Every every person who was ever on a street corner, whoever recognized another dope fiend or another prostitute who would come up to them and, and they exchange something, well, they ended up getting dead or they ended up getting arrested because you trusted for the things that you should never, you know, uh, give trust towards. Never. So the thing about trying to draw a connection for the sake of analogy, for the sake of your own ability to... Um, uh, not get mis misled and betrayed deeper than we're all we're going to be we're going to be mis betrayed. I mean that's a given. But believing in, in something before you come to realize you've been betrayed that's a different matter. Great point though. So yeah, the things that are important that we start to learn are that habits are how we live our life. We live, in life. we live and die by the habits that you have taken on to yourself. The military standard 
for forming a habit, whether it's a, a habit of thought or habit of action, is 5,000 repetitions. 5,000 repetitions before you don't have to think about doing this particular action. It's just that automatic. Becomes unconsciously competent. Yeah. Right. right. So now if you have a, a habit established or multiple habits that are bad, you have to, how do you realize that they're bad? How do you realize that? And how would you extinct them? How would you undo them? And how much time does that take? And here we are grown-ups, and we have lots of bad habits. We also have our motivation and our attitude. And all three of those things cross into each other's domains, so to speak. And they're, 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 uh, the, the effect that they have on, on, on each other. And you can, re you can either be really, really effective, or you can be pretty incompetent and, and uh, just absolutely a, a waste of, of skin. And you don't want to be a waste of skin. You don't want to um, end up for the right reasons, as the old saying is, uh, uh, hell is paved with, it, with good intentions. Mm -hmm. You don't want to give a, an imprudent and an immoderate amount of uh, trust to things that have not earned it. So you must make your habits be solid. Your motivation, your motivation must be solid and fierce like a warrior and your attitude which is where your virtues come from that fire the engine in your soul to to be a warrior to never give up no matter what the circumstances are remember the other side is never going to give up they're never going to say okay you beat me this is not a monopoly game this is not a chess game this is not checkers. This is not five card Monty. <laughs> this is this is for all the chips. This is for real life. This is where all of our souls end up, one place or the other. And we're at a, we're at a time. We find ourselves at a time where, in the not too distant future, where it's actually literally here already. In some countries, people are already accepting the chip for everything. The chip goes in the. Um, between your, your thumb and your forefinger, and uh, you use it to open doors and, and um, commit transactions, business transactions throughout the day. And, and, and you keep hearing these things about social credits, which is part of the, the, uh, the advanced communist society from, from uh, China. Social credit score means um, how compliant and complicit and, and okay are you as a communist, as a citizen in a communist country. Well, all of this social justice, all this Marxist, uh, cultural Marxism that we know as political correctness, for the last 40 to 50 years has taken about four generations of people, the millennials and everything in between, and conditioned them to constantly give up one more luxury, one more right, one more constitutionally protected freedom, one more this and one more that, checking your conscience at the door, don't say or think anything, wear that mask. So how far away are we? And what are, what are all of our 
the choices that we have left politically. Personally, if you ask me, there is no political solution for this country. None. I don't care if you spell it Trump. I don't care what other name goes in that box. An administration is made up of a composite of pre-existing bureaucrats that are filled with the infiltrated forces of the enemy. And it has been that way in this country since the 50s. Since the 50s. And it's, you know, Mr. Trump's administration, he was completely surrounded by bad guys the whole entire time. We were probably a decision away, a political calculation away at uh, one point between October and December of last year of having the Insurrection Act applied to the country and with the consequences that that would have caused that they didn't want to endure and they ended up folding on that hand and everything else that has happened is what happened as a consequence. But those are political people making political calculations about things that are beyond politics, that are based on the natural law and the natural order. The moral theology that says that the nation state has an obligation, which it is not anywhere close to satisfying, to provide for the common good of everybody that lives within the borders of that country. So how is this going to resolve? That's not a question that I can answer right now or the time that you want to sit here and try and listen to me to try to figure that out. Because I've been thinking about this for all, you know, all my adult life. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think we're probably running about out of time. 51 minutes, 20 seconds. Okay, well then. If you want to, if you want to, if you want to stop here, if it's a good stopping point, we can because yeah. this is a, this is a good stopping point. I think um, I'm just looking at some of the notes from this, uh, from this uh, talk we're having here. If there's anything else in here that you wanted to, uh, to address, but I think this might be a good stopping point so we can pick up uh, next week on uh, LA non-confidential, because you know these questions are. In my head too, Mike, I, you know, I, I don't think they have an easy answer at all. And I don't think that it's going to come from any human. I think it's going to come from God. Um, and it's going to have to be human driven. Our consciousness has to shift and we have to be aware, be made aware of the truth. Because if, if we don't know the truth, we have no hope. And uh, if we do, at least people get start seeing the truth and start, you know, um, understanding these these very intricately woven lies corruption deceit and infiltration i think maybe that's a good starting point which is what we're doing here um so thank you for thank you for all, all of your um insights your your i don't want to call it testimony because I, I i it's we're not in a courtroom but you're giving you know testimony of what you've seen and what you've experienced and um, today is the day you said, what is it? 51 years, November 30th, where you 51 signed up years. 51 yep. years today. My goodness. Um, also, I would like to point out that you said you use uh, shameless plug here, but I'm going to do it. This is not a sponsor folks, but 
if anybody from liquid collagen protein frog fuel is listening, uh, Mike, you want to tell us about frog fuel that you use? Frog fuel is a, um, a um, pack that is, is liquid uh, protein products and collagen. Uh, they, they have it in a couple of different formulations. It's, it's produced by retired uh, U.S. Navy SEALs, who I have had the uh, great honor of having as partners uh, in the various jobs that I've had throughout law enforcement uh, and, and, and the jobs that I had after post-9-11. Uh, I have great admiration for them as, as skilled uh, uh, war fighters um, and understand to a very limited extent because um, I've never been downrange like they have, but, but they're honorable men. And then when they put a product out, uh, like a lot of these Patriot um, products that are, that are produced um, around the country from uh, vodka and whiskey and, and, and black powder uh, uh, coffee and, and all these other various products and everything, something for your actual performance that's natural, it's, uh, it's healthy, it's good for you. And anything that can possibly uh, help you have a clear mind so that you can focus on the, uh, the mission at hand, the daily mission at hand in this asymmetrical warfare. Frog fuel gets me lit up so that I can go downrange in this battle of bullshit coming out that big sewer pipe that we call the computer screen. Oh, God. So, don't go downrange without frog fuel. <laughs> there's, there's your, uh, there, there it is. The, the free shameless plug for frog shameless. fuel. Shameless. I'm completely, I'm free of shame. I, you know, I love those guys. Naked and shameless on the internet. That's well, right. I will reach out to them because you did say they're, they're a good product and collagen is the building blocks of life. Um, I, I use collagen, but maybe I should be using this. So uh, I will be talking with these guys soon because I know that there are some people that have reached out to me saying, hey, can you work with our product? And I, you know what? Frankly, I've said no. I've never used it. I don't know it. And I don't see any good reviews, but I've been hearing good things from you. And I've seen this before. So there it is. Um, thank you again, Mike, for being here with us today. Um, your stories are, I can't wait to get into some more stories because there's so much to be told. Well, eventually I'll lighten up and start telling some funny jokes too. So I can imagine when that happens. I have been. And I understand the... there's a yeah, there's, yeah, and there's some kind of a following. Do I have a groupie out there that that uh, wants to have the uh, the goat herder come in and visit them from time to time? I heard. I, don't know. I, I heard there yeah, might be a few. Yeah, yeah they happen oh, well. to be. Uh, I, I've I've talked to a few of them. There's been people reaching out about you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll talk to. I'll have to talk to my goat herder covert. Uh, uh, person over there in Afghanistan. He's still there, by the way. Oh, well, then you have to let us know. And if they need a PR agent, let me know, because I'm up for a job. Are you really? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Hey, can you speak uh, uh, Can you speak Afghan dialects and stuff? You can teach me. You're very good at it. <clears throat> Just bring a gun. That's all you need. Okay. All right. That's all I got, folks. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Part three, folks, of LA Non-Confidential. Get the F out of my police car. And man, I wish I could have been there to see that, but the visual and description and clarity with which Mike tells his story 
uh, always, uh, always, always makes me laugh actually, because you have to have a sense of humor, even though this stuff is so serious. So uh, there you go. That is, that is also, um, we're also touching on how Mike and I met and what my involvement has been through this movement that will also unfold during the uh, this particular podcast so uh, LA non-confidential folks every Thursday night you'll start hearing more and more of Mike's experiences as well as how it is that I ended up tweeting talking and telling the truth because that's really what both of us both both Mike and I have been uh, dying to do for years because Uh, Only the truth is going to set us free. And uh, thank you, Almighty Father God, for for leading us to him, through him, and using us as witnesses and his humble servants to bring to you uh, these truths so you can understand how it is that we are sitting here in this moment of truth where all of the stuff around us is going to start making sense more and more once you start hearing from people that are brave patriots. Um, And thank you for your service, Sergeant Fanning, and God bless you for bringing to us these stories because they are truths and these truths will indeed set us free. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Stay tuned for tomorrow night, which is Friday night, dark to light on a fistful of truth. God bless you. Where we go one, we go all.